So we've come together on this occasion, it's Asalaha Puja, or almost that day. So that's the beginning of the Rains Retreat. It's the day we remember that the teaching the Buddha gave, the Dhamma Chaka Pawatana Sutta, the first teaching that he gave after his enlightenment. He set out the path of practice that leads to Nibbana, to freedom from suffering. Namely, the uh, Four Noble Truths, realization, penetration of them, and development of the Eightfold Noble Path, beginning with uh, right view through to uh, right samadhi, samaditi through to ma samadhi. So on this occasion of this retreat, it's a good reflection to bring up the Four Noble Truths and the factors of the Eightfold Path, uh, to recollect them and see how we can apply them bring our minds to them in our practice, not just this day, but maybe for the next three months of this retreat time, even if we have to go back to our family duties, work and other things. We can use these teachings on a daily basis if we have the interest, we have the faith, and our practice in the Buddhist teachings, the study and practice of Buddhism requires some faith, some confidence in the beginning uh, that this is a pathway that leads to the end of suffering, leads to happiness and peace which we are all aspiring to. The word the Buddha uses, sadha, it means faith, confidence, and even uh, belief. But it's a, a, a belief supported by wisdom, not just a blind belief. And the quality of sattā, the Buddha said, is always balanced by panya, a wisdom. So it's an intelligent belief in the the power of the practice to transform the human mind, to bring it freedom from suffering, to bring it to peace. And sattā, this quality, faith, confidence, it's um, one of the five spiritual powers or spiritual faculties. And these spiritual powers are five qualities that the Buddha talked about as just a, a way of describing the main, the essential qualities that we're developing uh, in our spiritual practice and particularly in meditation. All these five qualities need to be developed together and they support each other and when developed and brought up together, they become a power 
an energy force in our minds, in our lives, that helps us to bring us to the Dhamma, to understand truth and find true peace, true happiness. So when teaching about these five powers, he talked about satha first. As the uh, initial intention, reason why we practice, we have some confidence that this is worth doing, it's valuable to us, it's something that uh, can bring us what we want, which is happiness and peace. You need that first initial intention and confidence in order to bring up effort and energy, which is the second power, spiritual powers, wiriya. And that's not just a one-off, you have some faith once and then you put forth effort once. It's an ongoing, it's a thing that we are developing regularly. These are qualities that we come back to over and over again through our Dhamma practice. And this is one of the reasons why coming to, say, a monastic uh, place like this, Buddha Bodhivana Monastery, it's a place where you can um, hear the teachings in peaceful surroundings with fellow practitioners, both Sangha and laity. It tends to refresh and bring up more faith, more confidence in the practice. And from this we get energy, effort to put forth into our practice. Get effort, energy up to practice uh, the precepts, the five precepts or the eight precepts. Effort, energy to develop mindfulness in our meditation and even in our daily lives. And the effort, the energy to investigate Dhamma, to start considering wisely our own lives, our bodies, our minds, what really will lead us to peace and happiness in our lives. That takes some wisdom, some understanding, and that requires some effort and energy to bring up, doesn't just happen by itself. So we have some sata, we have some confidence in the practice, leads to wiriya, energy, and that energy is always directed to bringing up mindfulness, sati and sampajanya, clear comprehension, a clear understanding of what we're doing. So sati is the third of the spiritual powers. And when we come to practice meditation like this, it's very much the focus of our, our efforts. As we're sitting meditation, we're learning to bring the mind to a state of mindfulness, bring up mindfulness by using the meditation techniques we have the mindfulness of the breathing. Um, it's not the only meditation technique, there's many meditation techniques, but as we practice 
is a very uh, good starting place if you haven't practiced meditation before if you have you can turn to the meditation object you're more, more familiar with but as we practice meditation we're learning to bring up mindfulness of our meditation object to bring the mind to pay attention to the breath the in and out breath for instance this is where we direct that energy that comes from the faith from the confidence in the practice so we can recollect the fact that the Buddha himself practiced mindfulness under the Bodhi tree the night of his enlightenment even before that he'd been practicing mindfulness uh, before he became a Buddha but it wasn't yet what we call Sama Sati he was developing mindfulness and developing meditation with different teachers in the time before his enlightenment Alama Kalama Udara Ramaputta the two foremost teachers in northern India at the time meditation masters they taught Samatha meditation the way to make the mind very concentrated to develop Samadhi um, to the most refined states of jhana rupa jhanas are rupa jhanas the most refined states that human beings can experience through meditation refined blissful states letting go of all distractions all coarseness of mind bringing the mind to a very refined state of one-pointed awareness But the Buddha realized on the night of his enlightenment and just before that this still wasn't the end of suffering. These states of peace that come from meditation are very close to the end of suffering. They're very close to complete peace and happiness. But they're not completely the end of suffering because they're still subject to birth and death. They're still what we call conditioned states of mind that arise and pass away they have a cause and they come up and they arise they pass away though they're not completely stable lasting and they can't bring the mind to permanent perfect peace in the same way as Nibbana so the Buddha contemplated this and this is perhaps one of the defining features of a Buddha what makes a Buddha different from any other teacher we say Buddha is self-enlightened and one of the causes for this self-enlightenment was that he actually had the thought the reflection he could see around him in his life that there is birth old age sickness and death the normal condition of human beings he could see people suffered with old age sickness and death but then he actually had the thought there must be something more than this outside of this if there is birth and death which is normal to human beings then there must also be that which is not subject to birth and death 
just as we have uh, day, we have night, light, dark, hot, cold, and so on, all these different two sides of our experience. The Buddha thought it through and thought, if there's birth, old age, sickness, and death, there must also be that which is beyond birth, old age, sickness, and death. You could see even practicing meditation as they did in the time of India at that time, reaching these very refined states which he could reach. It still didn't bring him to the end of birth, old age, sickness and death. And this is why he left those teachers to practice on his own using this reflection. And later on he asked, somebody asked him, what is uh, the Buddha sasana? What is the Buddhist teaching or Buddhist dispensation and he said that the Buddhist dispensation is that which brings you beyond birth, old age, sickness and death and that was the way he described it and this is a valuable reflection for us all the way through our meditation so that we're bringing the mind bringing up the qualities, you developing these spiritual powers to bring the mind to a point where it can see that or experience that which is beyond birth and death. Bringing the mind back, to, we say, back to its original state of purity where it's undefiled, undeluded, where it's just purely aware and we say unconditioned where it's not subject to birth and death. And the way the Buddha described we do that is by developing these spiritual powers, sata, the wiriya, the sati, the mindfulness. When that is maintained or sustained, that becomes samadhi, which is the fourth spiritual power. But then the fifth spiritual power, panya, wisdom or insight, is where we turn the peaceful mind, the concentrated mind of mindfulness, samadhi, to contemplate, to gain insight by contemplating our experience of this body and this mind, using the state of stillness, using the state of peace that we develop through our meditation to contemplate and gain understanding, insight, in particularly into the universal characteristics of our existence. The fact that all physical, mental phenomena are anicca, impermanent, changeable, dukkha, unstable, unenduring, anatta, not-self, there's no substantial and lasting self or you could say soul or even ego in our experience of this body and mind. And the Buddha, as he described this path, said there's the only way we can really experience this truth, see the truth of the lack of self in our experience is by developing these spiritual powers, perfecting them, 
so that our mind is still enough and our wisdom is sharp enough in order to see the truth. So the whole of the Buddhist teaching is aimed at helping us, give us techniques and ways to improve our insight, our understanding of truth. So this eightfold noble path that we practice, uh, we, we give the shorthand, we say sila, samadhi, panya, or we could say the five powers that we're developing, the sata, virya, sati, samadhi, panya. All of these qualities and skills that we're developing are helping us to bring the mind to insight, to see the truth about ourselves, and the truth about the world around us, the true nature of our existence as human beings. To see that this body is subject to birth, old age, sickness and death. The whole five candors that we are born with, our feelings, our memories, our thoughts and our sense consciousness is subject to birth, old age, sickness and death. Subject to arising and ceasing is a nature, is impermanent. So when we come to practice uh, on an occasion like this, it's worth um, just getting some basic understanding of how these aspects of the path work together or support each other. So just now we took the eight precepts and when we come into a monastery even just for a day or for many days the eight precepts are the basis for living in a monastery um, keeping the five precepts perhaps is something we're already familiar with trying to keep them in our daily lives the eight precepts we take on um, more simplicity of life we uh, set aside say, entertainments, eating in the evening, sleeping on high beds and so on. But whether we keep the five precepts or the eight precepts, the aim is to keep in check uh, what we call the unwholesome dhammas, the different intentions, mental states rooted in greed, anger and delusion, which are the cause of all our suffering and the cause of our attachment to this mind and this body and the delusion of self that we get caught in so often. When we keep the precepts, we're just learning to, at least on the external level, on the outside, to keep our behavior, our actions peaceful, not stirring up our own minds or the minds of others, not harming ourselves, not harming others by developing some um, restraint, moderation, uh, carefulness in the way we behave. We become more mindful, more careful of the way we speak, the way we act, when we undertake precepts. And this isn't for, as an end in itself so much as for supporting uh, the development of mindfulness and meditation we're training 
our mindfulness, training our mindfulness of what we do, being mindful of what we do and becoming aware of the consequences of what we do when we keep precepts. So learning to look at the results of our behavior and see where we cause suffering. So when our selfishness or greed or our anger come out in our behavior, starts to cause us suffering, agitation, regret, guilt, and causes other people suffering. And when we practice mindfulness of the precepts and restraint in our external behavior, then we start to experience some ease, some freedom of regret, and some peace of mind. We're not causing any suffering for ourselves or others, not making any bad karma. This is the foundation for developing meditation practice. You'll see if you can't sometimes keep the precepts, break precepts, then to meditate becomes very difficult. The mind is very agitated. We become very worried or thinking a lot about what we've said and done. And maybe have problems with other people and so on. And when you meditate, this will all come up. You'll see the very results, consequences of your actions. And yet, this is where we get this, the motivation again, the faith, the confidence and motivation to keep precepts in the future when we see the results of not keeping the precepts in the past. So this is how we train ourselves in the beginning of meditation, is just learning to see the relationship between our external behavior, what we say and do in our daily lives, and our internal state of mind, how we feel, how much peace of mind we have on that level. And when we keep the precepts regularly, and particularly in a very careful way, say like when we stay in a monastery in a peaceful place like this, very quickly you can see the results. Your mind starts to settle down after a while. You have less worries, less concerns, less confusion. So then to turn to watch the breath or develop any other meditation object becomes much more doable, much easier more straightforward and when you're not breaking the precepts then the mind is, it becomes at ease within itself it becomes more content we don't have a lot of issues bothering us so then to sit down like this turn the mind to concentrate on the in and out breath that feeling becomes more practical the mind settles down quicker. But as we practice meditation, you'll find then the m more subtle defilements, more subtle obstacles and distractions will come up internally, even if externally we're not having any great suffering in our lives. Our precepts we keep internally, the mind can still be very, very distracted. And so the main focus of our meditation is learning to deal with these distractions, the internal distractions and particularly the, the more unskillful tendencies of mind which lead to agitation and stop the mind settling down and concentrating. 
These are what we call the five hindrances, five nivarana. So that's sensual desire, ill will, sloth, torpor, drowsiness, restless, agitated thinking, and then just skeptical doubt, uncertainty about the practice. Five different major kinds of distraction which will come up. As you meditate, you'll notice these. You'll notice how the mind falls into distraction over and over again. So we need much patience, much effort to keep training the mind. And this is why it's valuable to come to a retreat like this where you get support from the place and other people around you. But still we have to use the effort and the energy of our own minds and the patience to keep training ourselves to bring up mindfulness of the breath or our meditation object. The mind will keep falling back into the hindrances, into the distractions, think of sensual desires, think of things that we like, that we're attracted to. Think of other people, think of food, think of different experiences that um, bring us pleasure and keep the mind keeps returning to want to indulge in that with imagination, fantasy, memories and so on. So we have to work quite hard to pull back from that, to bring up enough mindfulness in the present moment just to drop the mind's normal attraction or infatuation with different objects of sensual desire. Sometimes just contemplating the impermanence of that, the impermanence of the pleasure we get from these desires and to see that it's not a lasting happiness that the, any kind of sense desire, sense pleasure brings us. And this isn't to put down the pleasure that we get from our senses or deny that, but to understand that pleasure is just feeling, vetana. It's just a natural part of experience in life. We have some pleasure comes from certain experiences and then we have some pain and discomfort from other experiences. And these things are just what they are, pleasure and pain, just different kinds of feeling. As we meditate, we might have to use our wisdom already. Even if the mind is not yet peaceful, we have to start investigating this to see that the pleasure and pain that tends to affect our mind so much. We crave pleasure, we seek after pleasure and become obsessed with pleasure-seeking often. And we try to get away from pain, minimize our pain. Much of our life is involved with this, seeking pleasure and trying to get away from pain, whether it's mental or physical. We have to start to see that and that's not the way out of suffering, is it? Because we become caught into habits of mind, always seeking pleasure, always running away from pain. And when we meditate, this, it shows us this very clearly if we start to look, start to recognize what's going on. As you're meditating, you might have pain in your legs, say, come up, pain in your back. And you can see the tendency is always to shrink away from it, want to get away from it, move away from it. Our habit is not to contemplate it, not to be mindful. 
of any kind of painful experience. It's more just to get away from it as quickly as we can. So we often we change posture or we get up or we try and distract ourselves. But if we do that, it doesn't really bring us much wisdom yet. So part of our meditation is using the, the spiritual powers, using our effort, our mindfulness, the peace of samadhi as it's coming up, and then wisdom, wise reflection, to contemplate what's going on, to look more deeply, more carefully. When you make, say, some discomfort in your body, some physical pain, or, or it could be mental pain, some memory, painful memory or something, just start to look at that more closely with mindfulness and start to recognize pain as just a feeling and not let it condition craving, not let it go on to create a lot of thoughts and agitation in the mind, but with mindfulness, the power of mindfulness, just notice pain as pain, or discomfort as discomfort. And similarly, the desire that moves towards pleasure, what we call sukhavetana, always seeking pleasure, partly to get away from pain and partly just because we, th we think this will solve all our problems and uh, bring us the happiness we want, you know, the pleasure of nice things, pleasant, pleasant food, pleasant experiences, different kinds of comfort. But to look more deeply and see that, that the experience of pleasure is, is a feeling that arises, passes away. And it can't bring us absolute or complete or lasting happiness either. All kinds of feelings, they arise, they pass away. That doesn't mean to say we have to uh, fear pleasure or see it as something bad or wrong. But develop an understanding of its true nature, that it's an impermanent experience. It arises, passes away. So as you meditate, this is where wisdom starts to arise. As you start to see a pleasure, something that's an experience arises, passes away. Painful feelings arise and pass away. And this is where we develop insight into impermanence and to the true nature of our, what we call this self, this human being, this person. We see that we do experience pleasure, we do experience pain. But both of these are impermanent conditions. They arise, they pass away. And this is where our meditation can become very, very clear using all these five spiritual powers. The effort, the mindfulness, and the calm of concentration, and then the wisdom of reflection, wise reflection. So the mind starts to become a little bit more peaceful, more detached. We start to see the experiences that normally cause us a lot of suffering, either running after pleasure and grasping at it, or running away from painful experiences. The mind becomes more still and more observant of the truth of these things, rather than just getting caught up into them. So it's a bit like, uh, say, um, 
somebody who works outdoors, especially at this time of the year. So if you work outdoors, you're a farmer or you're a builder, you'll notice the weather. When the weather becomes cold, most people don't like cold weather. But if you have a job of work to do, that you have no choice, you've got to do that job. Well, you get on with your job. You're a farmer, you're a builder, you have to be out there in the weather. So when the unpleasant weather comes, the cold, the wet, the frost, whatever, you might not like it, but you know what it is and you just get on with your job. When the warmer weather comes, you might like that and prefer that, but still you just get on with your job because you have, have to do your job. So someone like a farmer or builder, they get to know the weather, but they don't let it bother them too much because they know what it is. They know the weather changes. Sometimes it's pleasant, sometimes it's unpleasant. As we practice meditation, this is the kind of insight that arises as we practice mindfulness and start looking more closely at our experience. We get to know pleasant feelings as that, just that much. Unpleasant feelings is just that much. We start to see, oh, that's just the way they are. And the mind that can see that, recognize that, is the mind of insight, wisdom. Seeing these things are just anicca, dukkha, anatta. They're not self. They're not me, they're not mine. They're just conditions or experiences that arise up and pass away. They're born and then they die. They begin and then they cease. As we sit meditating here or do walking meditation, we can start to contemplate and see this very clearly. When you can bring up mindfulness, the effect on the mind is the mind becomes more still, more quiet in itself. When the mind's very quiet, then you can see how we get affected by pleasure and pain in our experience, whether it's physical or mental, just the pleasure and pain of different memories or thoughts that affect us. As we bring mindfulness up and contemplate, we can see these things are just experiences that arise, pass away. They are just what they are. Pleasure is just pleasure, pain is just pain. When we have that kind of insight, then that brings the mind to a great sense of peace based on understanding. Not just the peace of a a calm, peaceful mind based on uh, samadhi, but also wisdom. That understanding doesn't have to disappear. Say if you stop meditating, you get up from your meditation, go away and do other activities that understanding can go with you. Your mindfulness and your wisdom can go with you. And you can carry on practicing through your day in many different activities, different situations. You start developing mindfulness and wisdom to keep your mind free from suffering. the, The development of these spiritual powers, the mindfulness, the wisdom, this is what looks after our mind helps it to deal with the different challenges, the different situations we get in in every day of our lives. 
But we do have to practice this. We have to practice bringing the mind back to the present moment, seeing what's happening, see how it gets caught into distraction, seeking different kinds of pleasure, running away from different painful experiences and understanding more clearly what's going on. If we don't have any mindfulness, then we tend to just go according to our habits, don't we? We just have pleasant experiences, we like that, so we get attached to that, seek more of that. Unpleasant experiences we don't like, so we think how we don't like something, we don't want this, don't want that, and get attached to that way of reacting. So we're forever reacting to our experience with liking, with disliking, with wanting or not wanting. And this is what feeds all our our mental suffering in life, all the problems we have in life. It's all based around this. When you practice mindfulness, you're bringing your mind to the present moment. You can start to see this going on. And, but you can allow your mind to just settle down and know what's going on, recognize it, but not get so involved, so attached. This is the kind of wisdom that we develop through our practice, the kind of understanding that comes. This is the power of panya, insight. So I've talked a bit now about the practice of meditation. And then we next have a session of um, walking meditation. And when you practice walking meditation, the aim is to just keep your mindfulness, bringing up mindfulness, just in a different posture. So if you find it helpful when you go out to do some walking meditation, you can practice mindfulness of breathing, just as when you're sitting. Use that as the focus of your attention. Bring your mind to the present moment, to the feeling of the in and out breath. But if you find that too subtle when you're in a walking posture, then you can put your attention on the feeling of the feet touching the ground. Just try to concentrate on your feet touching the ground. So usually we recommend to find a spot where you can walk back and forwards, maybe for 10 meters, 15 meters on the veranda of the hall or in the courtyard any part of the monastery grounds. You can find a spot just to walk back and forth, back and forth. And put your attention on the feeling of the feet touching the ground. And maybe just look at the ground in front of you so you're not looking all over the place, getting distracted easily. Just put your attention on the feet touching the ground, raising up, touching the ground. You might walk a little bit slower than normal You walk backwards, that's not walk backwards, you walk back and forth uh, along your path. And just try to keep bringing your mind back to the present moment and letting go of all the distractions. Again, you can just contemplate different pleasurable, unpleasurable experiences as you walk, just with mindfulness. Just know what it's like. Pleasure is like this, pain is like that. 
for about half an hour and then there'll be a bell and then can come back in and we'll do some more sitting meditation. So if you'd like to uh, move outside, find a spot outside, do some walking. <laughs>